Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. This is Isabel Ross, coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today's training talk is all about what sort of quality sessions ultra runners should do. Now, last podcast on training was about the fact that ultra runners do need to do speed work or quality sessions of some description. And um, this one is giving more of an overview of the sorts of things that you could be doing in training. So first of all, let's recap the last training talk. Let's clarify what's meant by speed work. True speed is very short sprints, which are about 10 to 15 seconds, up to about 30 seconds. And they work on developing the neuromuscular system. However, when most runners talk about speed work, they're talking about things like interval repetitions and tempo work. So when they say, I've got speed work on Tuesday, they're generally going to be doing some form of interval work. But for ease of conversation, when I talk about speed work, we are talking about the um, interval work, not the short sprints. Um, just in general. So I'll I'll interchange between speed work and quality sessions because they are basically the same. Now, when you first start your season's training, and once again, this is a recap from last time, I believe it's important to focus on getting the body ready for the harder work to come. If you've just been doing base miles and then you jump into interval training, you can cause, or, you know, sort of longer interval training, you can cause injuries or other issues. So this is where you start by using strides. And strides are 100 meter repeats, run at about 90 to 95% effort. And we also have short hill sprints, which are 10 to 15 seconds up a steep hill. Both of these have a minimum of a one minute recovery. That's because we want the heart rate to come right back down because this is not, these sessions are not about keeping the heart rate up. They're about um, developing the neuromuscular system, which is done in short bursts with a heart rate goes up quick but comes down quick um you can do the strides all throughout the season and basically i like to do them at the end of an easy run on the odd occasion just you know maybe four or five strides just to keep the the memory there in the neuromuscular system the short hill sprints um can be done as full sprints up on the toes as i described last time and using your arms as well really pumping your arms to get yourself moving you can do leaping binds or you can do the hill as the sprint as high knee drills all of these help to promote strength in the legs the feet and the ankles as well as develop the neuromuscular system once again i will reiterate that full recovery is a very important component and um like i've said although these are good for preparing the body for the harder work to come it's still good to do them within the training cycle the the strides you can I also like to do them as warm-up for um your longer quality sessions sometimes I even do the hill sprints instead of the strides if I'm going to be doing a hill workout I'll do the short hill sprints you know five to six hill sprints before my actual hill workout Anyway, if we're talking just about starting the season with some base work and speed work, once you've um, done that, you can start to focus on more serious quality sessions. I like to focus first on VO2 max workouts. VO2 max, which is, can also be known as maximal oxygen consumption, maximal oxygen uptake, peak oxygen uptake, or maximal aerobic capacity, but generally you'll know it as VO2 max, and that just means it's the maximum rate of oxygen consumption measured during incremental exercise, that is, exercise of increasing intensity. The name is gotten from the three abbreviations for V for volume, O2 obviously for oxygen, and max for maximum. Maximal oxygen consumption generally reflects cardiorespiratory fitness and endurance capacity 
in exercise performance. I say generally because there are many instances where an athlete with a lower VO2 can outperform one with a higher VO2. And that can come down to many, many things. Their lactate threshold is higher or they have greater mental strength or capacity mentally to push themselves that much harder. So although VO2 is important, it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. Now, obviously, it is impractical for most athletes to test their VO2 because basically to get it done accurately, you really need to get it done in a lab. And what does it claim to give you your VO2 are ambiguous to say the least. Certainly, if you're going to use your watch, you must be using the strap, the chest strap. Using wrist-based is not going to work. That is, the wrist-based heart rate monitor is highly problematic it's full of errors and I do not trust that the only time it is okay and is generally accurate is when you are at rest when you're just you know pottering around the house or sitting on the couch when you are running it's just not accurate it is either way too high or way too low so don't rely on that Um, not only is it impractical to test the VO2 and thus know exactly what yours is, the capacity to improve your VO2 is actually largely genetic. So it is something that you are born with, basically, your VO2 capacity. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you still can't work on it. And you can, and you can develop it to your fullest potential. And like I said, VO2 is not the be-all and end-all. So there are some things we can do to develop our VO2. I like to give workouts of about three to four minutes with a short recovery of about two minutes. The work repetition should be done at about 80 to 90% effort and the recovery at an easy jog or walk. But once again, you can play around with these to change up the elements of the workout. If an athlete is prone to injury or competing in a maintenance race, I prefer them to do these on an uphill. And I know one a few years ago when I had hamstring problems, I did them on a gradual incline and I find then I didn't have any problems. As well as improving your VO2 max, these workouts teach you how to push hard when that little voice in your shoulder is telling you to stop or slow down, it doesn't matter, all those things it always says, you know, in a race. Um, and it teaches you how to just keep going. And also three to four minutes, it's not insurmountable that amount of time. And although this should be a hard workout, you should always feel like you could do one more rep when you complete the session. And basically that goes for any kind of interval work that you do. And really, even for your long runs, you shouldn't finish your long runs feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to die, this is it. You should always feel like you could go for a little bit longer if you had to. So if you do that and you feel like you can complete one more rep, then you have performed the session correctly. Also, the final rep should be your best one if possible, so your fastest, basically. So pace yourself from the start. With the first couple, work out what feels right according to your body on that day. You need to listen to your body and don't completely redline the first few so that you're unable to complete the workout properly so that the last few are just so incredibly slow or just an absolute suffer fest that leaves you feeling that you couldn't do one more. You've really got to be sensible about these sorts of things if you really want to um, create good improvements. Now, as we get closer to the race date, I prefer the workouts to become more race-specific. For this reason, I like to focus on tempo runs. Tempo runs can be started off as longer session blocks, for example, two to three times 10 minutes, building up to sets of about 15 to 20 minute blocks, progressing to eventually one continuous session of anywhere up to an hour, sometimes maybe even two hours, depending on what kind of race is coming up. 
And these sessions are done at what I like to call a comfortably uncomfortable pace. This means that you're just on the edge of before it becomes uncomfortable. Tempo runs really teach you to push at that relatively hard level that is hard to sustain simply because of the length of time. It really also develops mental strength for longer runs as it teaches you to work at a harder level for extended periods. Tempo runs basically are what we used to call lactate lactate threshold runs and they teach the body to clear lactic acid making it more efficient at this task. This means you can not only physiologically run harder for longer periods of time but also you've got that mental strength from having done them before and that helps you to run at that harder pace for a longer time. Now I'm going to add in one here as well that uh, may be seen not so much as a quality session but long runs I believe should also be seen as a quality session. Not quite at the same level as um, interval work and that sort of thing but still something to be shown a little bit of respect and I believe they require an easy day before and a rest or easy day after. That's your really long runs. Uh, I do agree in doing back-to-back runs, but they wouldn't be as long each day. The long run teaches your body and mind to run for, obviously, long periods of time. This does not mean mean you need to do a 10-hour run every weekend in preparation for your 100-miler. It means every second weekend you can do an extended long run of around five to six hours. Anything more than that, and really, you're not, maybe up to eight, eight and a half hours, you're not really, it's not really a huge benefit. And it takes so long to recover as well. The alternate weekend might be three to four hours with back-to-back runs, you know, three to four hours each day on the Saturday and the Sunday. Or maybe, you know, four hours or so and two to three on the Sunday, depending on, you know, your time schedule at the end of the day. If you don't have the time to do that, you don't have the time. It's all working out what fits in with your life as well. Now, all of these workouts that I've described, all of the quality sessions that I've described, have many variables that you can play around with so as to increase your motivation and interest. You don't want to just keep doing that, oh, five, six times three minutes on the flat and then uh, an hour tempo run on Thursday and a long run. You know, you want to change things around a bit. Make the tempo session maybe a progressive run where you pick it up every five to ten Ks, that sort of thing. Slightly varying the time, distance, recovery and terrain all adds to the workout and keeps the body guessing. It's good to keep the body guessing because the body likes homeostasis, which is where it always tries to get to. So you need to keep challenging the body so that it can keep improving. Anyway, I hope these descriptions of quality sessions has given you some idea of what should be in your program and um, I do honestly believe they're really important for your training and so that you can improve even as ultra runners although we run longer and slower and we don't necessarily run at vo2 whilst we are racing although you you may at certain points need to um it's still good to have the capacity there and like i said a lot of these workouts train the mental strength area and that's so important for ultras as we all well know Okay, so that's it for Training Talk this week. If you've got any ideas for future ones, please do comment and let me know. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and please leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. I hope you have a great week of training.